Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show for the International Foundation Autoimmune Autoinflammatory Arthritis. We just say AI Arthritis for short. My name is Tiffany Westridge-Robertson. I am the CEO and original founder of the organization. And like all leaders at AI Arthritis, I also am living with arthritis diseases. So my primary diagnosis is axial spondyloarthritis or non-radiographic version, if you want to be really detailed about it. And we've got uh, kind of a, a flashback, I guess, we're going to be doing we realized we're, we've hit a hundred some odd episodes and there's so much content that we have that we know many of you either have never heard or you heard it three years ago and you probably don't remember. <laughs> and so we also were looking into the projects and programs that we have coming up in the very near future and realized a few of our shows really do set us up in preparation for what those are going to be. So those are the ones we're going to replay for you all today. In saying that, what are these programs and projects that you speak of, Tiffany? Well, let me tell you. Okay, everything we do at AI Arthritis, whether you know this or not, is based on what patients report is missing. That's how our whole organization was founded, actually. Uh, we united with a bunch of patients online, and we all started talking and having aha moments. Well, the first one being there needs to be a nonprofit that focuses only on the autoimmune and the autoinflammatory arthritis diseases. And the thought was that, well, hey, if we narrow it down to just those 20 or so that are these auto diseases with the inflammatory arthritis that we just narrow down from like a hundred plus of autoimmune and autoinflammatory diseases. So there you go. Perfect example of ever since then, same plan. We listen to each other. We talk, we have aha moments and patients decide, you know what, if only this happened, maybe we could improve lives. So one of the things we've been wanting to do for years is create is work on earlier detection diagnosis or referrals and diagnosis. And so we are going to be launching a program called Auto Plus Inflammatory Arthritis Equals X or YZ. And this is going to be a program that will highlight the typical autoimmune and autoinflammatory features of disease that typically will happen regardless of your diagnosis, plus an inflammatory arthritis and what makes that different from your more traditional osteoarthritis or gout or other types, then if you have those plus that inflammatory arthritis symptoms, that is 
highly likely or or likely, I shouldn't say highly, I'm not a doctor. It could be it could be that you have one of our diseases. So that is that. And then we also picked a couple diseases that we felt were, even though they don't necessarily fall under the AI arthritis disease umbrella, they are strongly related to our diseases, one being what is called IgG4. That is something we have talked about quite a lot here on the show. And we are, it is a related disease. It's often uh, been diagnosed alongside many of our diseases, so Sjogren's syndrome, sarcoidosis, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, but definitely in the wheelhouse. And then another one, fibromyalgia, which is not an autoimmune disease, which is often misunderstood. It is a nerve condition and it is quite often either originally diagnosed and then re-diagnosed with one of our diseases or many people have dual diagnosis. So that would be our Y and our Z that we chose. So to do that, a couple of things I mentioned here. One is we would like to be able to differentiate that arthritic component. So the inflammatory versus the mechanical or the degenerative when you've got aging, the more common kind. So that's going to be a real big feature here. So differentiating arthritis types and why that's so important. And then another component is really zeroing in on this education of what is an autoimmune disease and what is an autoinflammatory disease. A lot of times people leave the autoinflammatory out of our name when they say the full name, but not just arthritis. They'll often cut it down to autoimmune and inflammatory. And there are such things as autoinflammatory diseases. They are not as common as autoimmune. Uh, they are often rare diseases. The ones under our umbrella are. So, for example, Stills disease, systemic juvenile idiopathic arthritis, which is also called Stills disease. That's just the juvenile version. Bichette's disease, sarcoidosis. So, just to name a few, we do have several rare diseases under our umbrella. All are autoinflammatory. And that is really a difference in where in the immune system the disease originates. One is your innate, meaning you were born with it. Another is learned or acquired. And so that dictates what it's going to be labeled as. But often, as you can only imagine, it's your own immune system. So things cross, right? So there's a lot of science about, well, it can be autoinflammatory, but it triggers the autoimmune. It autoimmune, but it triggers the autoinflammatory. So no shocker there, right? But we want to make sure that that is part of this whole project. So without further ado, we thought, let's go back to the beginning. Not quite number one, but I think it's like episode two and three. Like We're in the, in the five here and we're going to do the importance of differentiating arthritis types. And we're going to replay an interview style conversation that I did with Dr. Apostolos Katsias, and it was at the American College of Rheumatology, and we talked about the difference. And so we will replay that for you. And I just want to make a disclaimer. Back then, we used the acronym IFAA. We no longer use that. We use AI arthritis. But if you hear me say that, that's why. <laughs> so we're going to have Ryan, our producer, audio producer, tee that up for us. And then I'll just be back to close it out. 
So the topic we're going to talk about today is the need to differentiate arthritis types. And why is this important? We believe doing so will improve the misunderstandings that are associated with this disease and in turn will help expedite detection of the autoimmune and autoinflammatory diseases where arthritis is a major component. We also think that by addressing this and creating educational materials that it can help the conflicts and relationships that currently exist because of these misunderstandings of what a person really is dealing with. And then eventually, both of these things will improve a person's quality of life. It can improve their health outcomes. And then if that happens, well, we could actually start to improve the overall cost of healthcare around the world. And wouldn't that be fantastic? So let's get down to the conversation here. Why do we want to do this? And what are we trying to achieve? At the root of the problem is that over many, many decades, the word arthritis has only been associated as an umbrella term, meaning joint inflammation or joint pain. And that's what it is. But the problem is that there are different types of arthritis. And if the general public only assumes that arthritis is something that is a part of aging or happens in a mild form. Oh, it's just something that I can take an over-the-counter product and I'll feel better. That is doing a disservice for the people who really are suffering with the various types of arthritis, whether that be the more popular osteoarthritis or our types, which is the arthritis associated with having an autoimmune or an autoinflammatory disease, we like to call AI arthritis. So the fact of the matter is we all have points of reference. We know what we know. So if we think of the word arthritis, what comes to mind? I mean, you might say, hey, I I have arthritis. I have it in my knee or I got it from an injury. That can happen really at any age. Or maybe you have the typical aging that just happens naturally. And all of that falls under degenerative arthritis, which is osteoarthritis or the most common form of arthritis. And even with saying some of those things that I just mentioned, it does come with this assumption that it is a minor situation, a minor inconvenience that might not be that painful. But the fact of the matter is, even within that type of arthritis, it can be extremely serious to the point where the cartilage has worn away and it is bone to bone. And that, of course, is extremely painful. So even in osteoarthritis, I want to make it really clear By differentiating, we are not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that one form is worse than the other. They all have variations of severity. But the reason we want to start differentiating in our arthritis types stems from the misunderstanding of the word. So the first issue is relationship conflict. So think back to a situation that you were misunderstood. And it's frustrating, right? You say, oh, no, you have to understand. And you jump up and down. Well, maybe, I don't know. Depends on how, how angry you are, I guess. <laughs> but it's frustrating. But you get over it, right? The next day, everything is okay. Well, what if that happened every day or close to every day? Because that's the reality for people living with AI arthritis diseases. People say, oh, I'm so sick of people thinking that my arthritis is this mild form and I'm too young to have this. I mean, there's just so many things that occur with the frustration surrounding being misunderstood in general. But then it's deeper than that because the other thing that's different about our arthritis type is that these are part of an autoimmune or an autoinflammatory disease. 
there are over a hundred of those, but only a handful actually present with most patients with arthritis as an early clinical component. And that's important to note because this happens at a cellular level and the inflammation travels through the bloodstream and it'll attack the joints, tissues, organs, full body. And the pain that's felt is from initial onset. So as soon as that cellular level activity in the immune system starts to interact, we're feeling that pain. Now, it's going to take months and often years before any damage occurs, that anything could be seen on a radiographic image. So what happens is this invisibility combined with young onset, mind you, 20 to 40 years of age, typical of onset in adults, and then you're looking at any age in children. So you've got invisible. It's not showing anything on radiographic images. All must be in your head. You're too young to have this. So that in itself not only causes conflicts in relationships and misunderstandings and what a person is experiencing, but it lends into point number two. And that is that if general practitioners, family doctors, hospitals, nurses, kind of our first line intervention people don't understand that there is a difference, it can extremely delay detection. And when you delay detection, you delay diagnosis. You delay therapy, and then a person could have a compromised quality of life, less chance for remission, and that's when the healthcare costs really soar. So you can see how understanding the differences can really change the paradigm of many facets of our healthcare system, as well as the people living with these diseases. I know when I was first going to doctors to seek out advice on what was happening with me, I had a typical autoimmune features, which was fatigue. I had a fever for four and a half weeks straight that wouldn't break. I was exhausted. I was very short of breath and winded feeling like I had the flu. And that's what was focused on, the systemic, the full body things. And everybody kept ignoring the arthritis. We thought at IFAA when we founded the organization, wow, if we just focus on this small group of diseases and we can educate practitioners, if somebody shows up with these symptoms that are classic autoimmune or autoinflammatory and they have arthritis, wow, could we expedite detection and and put that whole motion forward. So the things that we are asking for your help on would be your ideas on how we can create better educational materials to educate not only our family and our peers and our significant others, but also medical practitioners and the public. Because think about it. If anybody listening has one of these diseases, before you became affected, you were the public. So if you as the public knew about this type of arthritis, maybe you would have gone to a doctor earlier. So it all really feeds off of each other. So don't forget to visit our podcast page at aiarthritis.org backslash podcast where you can meet some of our future co-hosts, meet our production team, learn more about this podcast and what we're trying to achieve. And of course, we're always looking for your support. So learn about ways that you can donate and support our podcast to keep this alive. We appreciate it to all our existing VIPs who support us monthly and make things like this happen. Today, I actually don't have a fellow patient co-host with me because we are going to share with you an interview that we did at the American College of Rheumatology, or ACR, annual scientific meeting that we, as an organization, attend annually. While there, we have the opportunity to speak with many stakeholders 
about different topics that are important to our community. And this was one of those circumstances. So this is a great example of how we would like to utilize the podcast to include all people living with the diseases from around the world so that while we cannot afford to bring you all with us to the conferences, we can bring the conferences and the conversations that we have there with you. So in this episode, we are going to focus on the topic of what is autoinflammatory? What is autoimmune? What is the difference? So, I mean, it's right in our name, International Foundation Autoimmune Autoinflammatory Arthritis. There's a lot of questions, particularly in our patient community. What is the difference? What do I have even? Now, patients are a little confused and understandably so. This is the beginning of a longer conversation. This is something that's important to patients. First of all, who doesn't want to know exactly what they have? So (laughs) I think that's the obvious one. But additionally, these autoimmune diseases and autoinflammatory diseases, and again, we only focus on the handful that also include arthritis as a major clinical component early on. At IFA, we do not focus on the 100 plus. However, the auto in the name does mean immune mediated. So it is about the immune system. So both types are a result of the immune system. It's just different sections of the immune system that are stimulated. And you're going to learn a little bit more about that topic when you listen to the interview that I was able to have with Dr. Apostolos Kantsias from the Renaissance School of Medicine, Stony Brook University. Dr. Kantsias was wonderful and willing to speak with us. And I asked him specifically, would you open the door to the discussion so that we can begin helping people understand a little bit about the history of how even auto-inflammatory came into the conversation. Prior to just a couple decades ago, it was mainly autoimmune. So that you will learn about. We also wanted to just get a general idea of what the differences are and how that relates to early detection, to symptoms, to research, and what we could do to help continue the conversation So we wanted to speak with him in hopes that he could shed some light in addition to the differences between autoimmune and autoinflammatory, but a little bit about the history and how autoinflammatory broke off (laughs) in research and in disease etiology, and also how it impacts research, early detection, patients. So this is a discussion that really needs further clarification and further conversation. But this is step one. So I'm going to let you listen to the wonderful interview we had with Dr. Concias, and then I'm going to circle back and talk about some highlights and ideas of how you could get further involved. Okay, well, hello, everyone. We are talking right now with Apostolos Concias. Did I do it? It it was great. You've been practicing it very well, it seems like. I I really have, because that's a tough one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, I'm so excited to finally meet you in person. Absolutely. Be- my pleasure. Because we have been collaborating on Patient Reported Stills Disease Brochures Project. That's exactly And right. that's how we met because I emailed you and said, we want the best. <laughs> you be the judge. <laughs> you. Well, actually, it was funny because last year, we told him this earlier, last year we when we were here, or it was the like, year before, I, one of them, and you were speaking and we couldn't go because it was a paid session. And we almost stalked, I, we almost stalked you outside. <laughs> like, I could like have a given fan. you tickets. I, I wish I well, knew. Well, now I 
know. Now we know. But you're at Stony Brook. That's exactly right. right. I've been with Stony Brook over the past year and a half, where I'm directing the fellowship training program there. And at the same time, I'm co-directing the adult auto-inflammatory clinic. Mm -hmm. And uh, prior to that, I was six years at the Cleveland Clinic, where I actually directed the adult auto-inflammatory clinic there. In my experience with auto-inflammatory syndromes and patients with Stills disease and other auto-inflammatory syndromes stems from my clinical fellowship years at the National Institutes of Health, where Dr. Kastner and all sorts of other, Mm -hmm. you know, world-renowned scientists and clinicians uh, were there seeing patients from the States and all around the world uh, with all sorts of kinds of auto-inflammatory syndromes, especially stills as well. So this is where all my clinical interest okay. comes along and stems from. Okay. All right. Well, we're glad because I, you know, in the rheumatology world, as you know, there are very far and few in between in general, but when it comes to auto-inflammatory and stills and some rarer diseases, it's even more This is exactly <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And, and, and uh, patients oftentimes they see multiple physicians, even rheumatologists, pediatric rheumatologists, infectious disease doctors, hematologists, in search of an answer to their questions and, and to, their, to end their diagnostic odyssey there. And uh, we're happy to try to you know, provide some input and, and educate both patients and physicians alike so that they can recognize, you know, signs right. of these rare conditions. Well, it's sure. uh, one of the things that you that you just mentioned, it's a great segue into why I begged you to come over here and speak with me. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and that is because people in our community, I mean, we as a nonprofit, we cover autoimmune sure. and auto-inflammatory diseases that have mm-hmm. arthritis as a major clinical component early in onset. And saying that, there is still a big confusion, particularly among the patient community. What is autoimmune? What is autoinflammatory? Which do I have? What is the difference? Could you shed some light? Absolutely. I'll try try my best and and see how how it goes. So essentially, everybody has known over the course of years, you know, what autoimmune conditions are. And classic ones are lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and they are related to issues with one of the two arms of our immune system, and that's called the adaptive immune system, as opposed to the older version uh, of it all that we have, which is called innate immune system. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Kastner was actually the one who coined the term autoinflammatory to showcase the, the patients who have inflammatory symptoms, that is you know, fever, rashes, uh, joint pains and aches, and arthritis, in the absence of specific signs uh, objectively, in, primarily in the labs, of conditions like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis are autoimmune conditions. So in patients with lupus and, and, all, uh, and related conditions, there are biomarkers, there are labs that we do for patients, you know, an ANA, double-stranded DNA, rheumatoid factor, people will know, mm-hmm. uh, that they're frequently positive and by default they are positive and that's why they are called autoimmune. But in autoinflammatory syndromes, all of these labs uh, are pretty much unremarkable or low positive, even though they can be highly inflammatory, these mm-hmm. patients. And that's why there's a diagnostic delay, because the markers are negative, even though uh, there is inflammation there, people are really 
uh, drawn into all kinds of different of doctors to try to figure out, you know, what exactly is going on. But they do present both auto-inflammatory and autoimmune with arthritis oftentimes. Mm -hmm. So they do have some common features with increased markers of inflammation. And at the end of the day, this was a mental construct and, and, and dichotomy for researchers and clinicians to allow grouping patients into distinct different categories so that we can study them because they do not behave the same clinically uh, mm -hmm. and they do not present in, in similar ways uh, necessarily, right? So that was one of the major drivers behind the classification and distinction between auto-inflammatory and autoimmune to begin with. Okay. So there are essentially, if we're trying to relate this to patients, two different sections, segments mm -hmm. of the, Im the immune both system. Both relating from the immune system. That's exactly right. And one being innate. Correct. Does that tend to happen to younger people because it's innate? Or That's a very good point. In the classic type of auto-inflammatory syndromes, which may be genetically mediated, you can definitely see them in, in early on in, in children, but more and more so, we do see unrecognized you know, patients in the early adulthood or you know, uh, juvenile patients, adolescents, and so on and so forth. So not necessarily the okay. answer is you have adult onset still disease, for example, yeah. which is a classic you know, auto-inflammatory condition that is definitively by default seen in patients in early adulthood usually mm -hmm. or later on. And others, you know, we've diagnosed patients with TRAPS, TNF receptor-associated periodic syndrome in, in, in adults. Maybe not mm -hmm. as commonly as is in children, but they're out there and it requires a high level of suspicion and not assume that these are conditions of childhood or right. you know, that, that's the key thing. So as far as um, the other side, the ad adaptive Mm -hmm. Is that what the word is? This is what, what it is, adaptive okay. immunity, yes. Mm -hmm. Now, and that is typically then autoimmune, correct? correct? And some patients have asked this question, so I'm, I'm going to take this opportunity. Does there have to be an environmental component to adapt? I mean, is that what that means? Usually there are triggers to generate inflammatory symptoms, and environmental triggers may trigger either the innate or the adaptive okay. immunity. Okay, uh, uh, that's great. Uh, yes, for example, sun exposure triggers... I mean, it's not great, but you, yeah, know what yeah, I, you, know, you know what I meant. Yeah, that's great to yes, know because absolutely. that is a misunderstanding. That's exactly right. Sun exposure, which is environmental stimulus, right, trigger, induces, triggers lupus, which is an autoimmune disease, right? Viral infections, for example, at times induce and trigger auto-inflammatory syndromes, you know, such as hyper-IgD syndrome. The, uh, patients are very well aware of what the triggers are. Their menstruation, for example, or symptoms increased or triggered around menstrual cycle in, in women, for example, right? So this is so very important to listen to patients because every single patient is going to have a potentially different trigger and different constellation of symptoms, even though the big picture may, may be similar overall. Exactly. Well, that's that was extremely helpful. I have one more breakout sure. question on Please. this. One of the other things that has been transpiring over the last few years is a bridge between autoimmune and autoinflammatory. And I know myself living with spondylitis, that has come up with the question, is ankylosing spondylitis purely autoimmune? Is it a 
a mm-hmm. scale, but and I heard point. it last year in Ular for yes. lupus. That's exactly right. So, <laughs> so, so this is an excellent this is an excellent point, and and that brings home the message that any kind of immune mediated condition can have contributions from both adaptive and innate immunity. So certain kinds of symptoms, let's say inflammation of the lining of the heart. Mm-hmm. Or that's known as pericarditis, mm-hmm. right? Or inflammation of the lining of the lungs, known as serositis mm-hmm. or pleuritis. That can happen in both autoimmune, lupus, let's say, or autoinflammatory conditions, stills, for example, right? It's more and more known that certain kinds of symptoms have contributions from both. And serositis may be more of an innate immunity, autoinflammatory-related symptom, uh, as opposed to a classic autoimmune a symptom related to adaptive immunity, for example. So, and there is anything in between, like such as spondylar arthritis or ankylosing spondylitis, for example. By definition, you don't have autoantibodies. Patients do not, their immune systems, in you know, inflammatory symptoms, they do not recognize structural components mm-hmm. of, of their cells, of their immune cells and others. That's by definition, what autoinflammatory means. Okay. So one of the things that IFAA does, literally, a part of our mission is utilizing patient voices to impact change, whether that's in education or awareness and advocacy or public policy or research. So as we're moving forward in understanding and teaching the patient community about the autoimmune versus autoinflammatory, what would you suggest to IFAA that we ask patients to report on or to track as far as this is auto-inflammatory or maybe this is more on the autoimmune. Is there anything mm-hmm. that we can do as a, as a patient voice or as a nonprofit to specifically track to help sure. differentiate one or the other? Or um, In terms of symptom recognition, at times, Systemic inflammatory symptoms such as especially fever, mm-hmm. could be high fever, you know, could be potentially low-grade fever, associated with rashes, for example. Right. That's, that, these are a, a couple of clinical symptoms that definitely point towards more auto-inflammatory. It's not that they cannot be seen in autoimmune, but... Uh, like with lupus, again. Correct, exactly, lupus. exactly. So in lupus is, is a mim- great mimicker of anything, of yeah. everything. Well, in but psoriatic arthritis, but that's a different level. Of, that's a different type of, of rash. But high, high, highly inflammatory symptoms, especially in the absence of specific positive labs. Okay, yeah, that um, makes sense. And increased markers of inflammation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's that's that, these are a couple of points that can give clues for both patients and treating physicians that this could be it. That's great. Thank thank you. Well, mm-hmm. before we we wrap up here, I just want to ask you. You're here at the ACR, yes. And uh, I know that you're not speaking. Not, See, not this shoot, year. I could have got it. Now not we could have got year. in for free. <laughs> <laughs> so next, either you you are our ACR. I'm gonna stay I'm, tuned. I'm gonna stay, stay tuned. <laughs> but um, tell us just a couple of exciting things that you plan on on so, doing while you're here. Yeah. So so I'm planning to review posters in regards to recurrent pericarditis. That's that's one of the potentially auto-inflammatory conditions mm-hmm. presenting both in uh, in children and adults. There's a high burden of disease activity uh, in these patients. And what do we do with steroid-dependent and colchicine-resistant for these uh, kind of patients? Uh, so there are a couple of uh, interesting posters there. 
There are very, a couple of very interesting uh, talks from the group, uh, the NIH group of Dr. Kastner and Dr. Umbrello, Mandy Umbrello, who is going to be giving a talk on patients with undifferentiated autoinflammatories. And so how do you approach? I saw this? that. Is that a paid one? I think so. Maybe. Maybe, maybe we need to talk. Maybe, yes. Because <laughs> I think I have that on my <laughs> list, and now I'm like, oh. <laughs> Both are excellent speakers. You okay. Know, you might um, get a text from me you know. later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a very interesting uh, um, conference to attend to. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much, too, for coming by Appreciate and doing this. Appreciate the opportunity to so, talk. So that's it. Wrapping up here with Apostolos. I'm yes. not even going to do the Exotic. second one. I, I got through the first one. So. You're good. <laughs> All right. Thank you again so much. I appreciate so much. much. Thank you. All right. Well, I'm back and I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thank you again, Dr. Concius, for taking your time out at the ACR to have that conversation with us. We greatly appreciate your time and willingness to help our community. I think that lends to a great start to further conversation and breakout discussions that will be very relevant for our community and for the stakeholders involved in our community. So not only do we need to understand the differences between auto-inflammatory and autoimmune and the different subcategories, age, onset, for example, but we need to understand that auto-inflammatory, which is often thought to be young onset, and often it is young onset, we cannot forget that there is a patient population being forgotten, and that's just not okay. So that is one thing I wanted to pull out of that. One other thing I wanted to point out that I think warrants further investigation is the fact that auto-inflammatory tends to present with extremely high inflammation that travels directly to the body in an intense way, causing extreme flu-like symptoms, and it can affect organs very early on. So it's not relying on any type of trigger of the immune system to then go back and attack. It is innately attacking. So it comes on very aggressive. It does not always present with positive blood work or laboratory results or biomarkers, which are more common to use for diagnostic criteria in autoimmune diseases. However, while I did not break out to explore that topic while I had Dr. Concius because of limitations on time, and it opens the door to a whole new conversation, which we will have. Now, I'm not sure who the other stakeholders will be at the table, but this is definitely a conversation we need to have. There are so many autoimmune patients who do not have positive labs and do not meet the biomarkers, and they are told, you don't have this disease. Thankfully, there are many rheumatologists today that understand you can still have autoimmune diseases and not have positive labs or biomarkers. I want to point that out because if it is something that's being considered in the medical community as a differentiating factor between autoimmune and autoinflammatory, we don't want some practitioners to believe, well, it must not be autoimmune because you don't have the biomarkers or the positive labs. So we certainly want to continue our work to monitor that. The overall takeaway was a quote when he said, listen to patients, everyone can be different. And how relevant is that? <laughs> That's the exact reason why we do this podcast, because we know at IFAA that while 
persons who advocate, we advocate, we're, we're out there speaking. We're only a small percentage of people. We cannot possibly speak on behalf of all people. And that's why we're doing this podcast so that we can reach as many as we can and let you know you have a voice. And doctors, as Dr. Concius said, it's important to listen to the patients because everyone not only can be different, I'm going to say is different. And our stories matter. Well, there you go. So I'm excited to bring back some of these episodes. We're going to do this a couple more times too, just to make sure some of this amazing content that we have doesn't fall off and and it's repurposed and reused, especially as we start to go through this process that we do at Arthritis, which is we put a topic on the table and then we go back and we work and we come up with other ideas and then we put it back on the table when we're ready to produce a project or a program or a resource. And ta-da, here we are. What a great example. So putting those two topics on the table as we did a couple of years ago. Now, here we are ready for this program. So you can check out all of these other episodes that we had at our website, arthritis.org backslash talk show. And while you're there, we certainly would appreciate a donation. Your support does help us keep this going. And we would love to hear from you. So send us a message. Visit us on social media at IFAI Arthritis on all of the platforms. And looking forward to really getting this project going. If it's something that you might be interested in and getting involved in in some way, helping us create the materials, that's right. We do bring our volunteers on to help with those kind of things too. Go ahead and click to volunteer. And let us know, hey, I in the comments in this section when you're talking, I heard this talk show in this really cool project, auto plus inflammatory arthritis equals X or Y, Z. And I think I kind of want to be involved in that. And we'd be happy to bring you on. As always, as we say, only together can we truly change the stories of tomorrow. And that is no different here today. So thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time. Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI arthritis news and events. 